Hello and welcome to Watching China in Europe. I'm your host, Noah Barkin, and today we're going to be talking about Germany's policy towards China, how that might change under a new government, and how the free Democrats, who are expected to be part of that government, could position themselves on China going forward. As my guest, I'm very pleased to welcome Gude Jensen, a member of the Free Democrats who was just elected to a second term in the Bundestag. Ms. Jensen comes from Schleswig-Holstein in northern Germany. She was the youngest female member of the previous parliament and also the youngest committee chairwoman in the history of the German parliament, I believe. Ms. Jensen chaired the Committee on Human Rights and Humanitarian Aid. And in recent years, she has been one of the leading voices in the Bundestag on issues like Hong Kong and Xinjiang. Uh, Ms. Jensen, thanks so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Thank you for raising the issue. I think it's an important one. Well, I'd, I'd like to start with a question about your party. The FDP is known as a, a business-friendly party. German business, of course, is heavily invested in China. But the FDP's position on China has hardened quite a bit in recent years. You entered the Bundestag in 2017. You've witnessed this evolution up close. Can, can you describe how the party's approach to China has changed over the past few years? So I think um, the past four years are a very well-chosen period in time where the international community could witness how China became more aggressive on the international arena, how that changed. And um, what we also could experience is that the German government approach towards this new re reality didn't change. So um, I guess the, the party's... Uh, opinion about this whole topic changed because it had to be, because we were facing a new reality. And that's why colleagues and me, including uh, Christian Lindner, our party leader, and also our, um, our Bundestag group leader, um, said it is very important to also travel to Asia, not only to China, but also speak to other countries in Asia, because we noticed that the German government was, was talking about having an Asia-based agenda, a political opinion towards Asia, but rather they were talking about uh, China. So we tried to also travel there to address or bring in motions into the Bundestag to explain what our views could be in a potential uh, government. And I hope that this potential opinion is also being heard in the, in the upcoming government. But so far, this is uh, something for the future. So I, I can't talk really about these whole processes, but the opinion of our party group changed because it had to. We won't delve into the coalition negotiations. There'll be months, uh, there's months ahead of us where we will be watching that. I wanted to talk briefly about a trip that, that you made to China in the summer of 2019 together with uh, Christian Lindner, chairman of the FDP. And this is a visit that did not really go as, as planned. Communist Party officials were not happy that the delegation uh, had met with democratic opposition figures in Hong Kong before traveling to Beijing. A number of meetings were canceled at the last minute. 
And uh, I, I was reading that, that Mr. Lindner was berated for 30 minutes, according to reports, by an official that he did get to meet with. How, how important do you think was this experience for the positioning of Christian Lindner and also for, for that of the, the FDP? Well, I think these trips that we were able to take before the COVID pandemic were um, important for every single colleague of ours, so including Christian Lindner. And we did many trips. This one was a very outstanding one. I was part of um, part of his trip. He uh, traveled uh, further, uh, I think, to Japan and also Korea to, to get a better understanding of this whole region of Asia, which is um, a huge geographic uh, sphere with different cultures. But I think colleagues of ours have been experienced Uh, have been experiencing this new reality that I was talking before, um, that I was talking about before. And I think the trip just, um, just uh, fulfilled, or not fulfilled, but um, broadened this whole new picture that we, we've seen and also heard from other colleagues um, of China. So um, we thought that it was just convenient to to travel to China, to um, have some conversations and, and meetings there, but also to Hong Kong, because um, um, it is a city that shares um, common values that we also share here in Europe and um, with our transatlantic friends. So I wouldn't say that this trip was the only one that shaped uh, the whole party's position and political group in the Bundestag, but it was one part of our whole justification why it's so important to focus on um, how the international community, but also Germany, um, reacts to this Chinese aggression or aggression of the Communist Party that we were experiencing. I, I also want to talk about Taiwan. Back in May at the FDP's Party Congress, a decision was made, and this got some, some, some uh, attention in the press, to remove language in the election program voicing support for a one China policy. Can, can you talk a little bit about the reasoning behind that decision and how you think the FDP might position itself uh, on Taiwan if it is part of, of the next German government? I think just uh, the news today and the, the uh, just uh, days ago um, are um, justifying why we maybe also with within the next German government, why we need to take another look at the whole very delicate diplomatic issue on the situation of the South China Sea, but also the infringement of, of Taiwan airspace that we were noticing um, all these years, but especially in, in, um, in the past weeks and days um, that took place by, uh, by, um, by, the, by, by China. So I think it needs to be a question also for the next German government. What, um, what can change over time, even in these very delicate diplomatic spheres? And I am um, very much aware that this causes a lot of trouble and a lot of diplomatic trouble if we raise this question again. However, I think that the international community and Germany is a big player on, on that field or should be again, I, I think, um, should ask questions and, and also question certain behavior if countries such as China do not play with this rule-based order that the international community focused on all these uh, decades. So 
In my opinion, it is just a natural question to ask over time. And maybe this time is now. So you, you believe that the next government, regardless of what it looks like, needs to focus a bit more on the Taiwan question. There hasn't really been a lot of talk in the, uh, the current government about Taiwan policy. There hasn't really been much of a discussion within Europe about this. Of course, Lithuania at the moment is the subject of some, some economic retaliation from China because it allowed Taiwan to open a representative office in, in the country. But if I understand you correctly, you're saying that the next government should, should look at this more closely. The next government should definitely look at this issue more closely and also check with European and transatlantic partners what can, could be done as a, resp as a response to this non-traditional rule-based order behavior, if I may say that this way. And you brought up Lithuania. I think that's an important example how Europe could stand more close, closely together and also shield other European partners from these diplomatic and, 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 and political consequences that certain EU partner member states are, are targeted with by China. And I think this is the way we should move forward. It's not just to, to blame China for, for a certain behavior, but to respond in a way that shows Europe is standing together because we are cherish, cherishing the rules and our values that we share. And if that is not the case, it makes China and it, its, its behavior more legit. And I think that is not, that should not be the case. And that should not be the way that we behave on the international level, but also treat our friends and partners. My impression is that there are uh, divisions within all the major German parties about how to respond to China. I think we've seen a, a general hardening, especially in the Bundestag in recent years across the across the party spectrum. There are people like yourself who are, are focused on the human rights uh, issues. And you also have people who believe that one should avoid provoking China because that could endanger the, the economic uh, relationship that Germany has with China, which is, is, is quite sizable. I imagine that there are different camps within the FDP as well. Tell us about that. I wouldn't call them camps. I think it's, uh, it's the topics that colleagues are working in. But we, we've seen or I've seen that the question on how to respond to China has, has shaped a new way we discuss certain certain topics um, with a more broad view. So my colleagues that are focused and, and working within the, the economic committee, they ask questions about what can we do to promote human rights? Because these freedoms, social freedom and, and economic freedom, they go hand in hand. That's what we always said. And that's within our DNA, uh, with, within our liberal party. We, we're not just pro market um, and pro-economic, pro a rule-based market that is also uh, or that also guarantees um, basic human rights and universal rights. So I think what the German government, maybe they they learned it now, but in my opinion, it's a little too late. And I think the next government really needs to uh, change um, their narrative and their views on how to respond to actors I would even call them aggressors such as China. 
Um, and I think the business and, and economic side is way ahead of the German politics in certain ways, how they respond. Because sometimes they even take over a certain diplomatic or political um, well, off or jobs, uh, even though the chancellor or our foreign minister should have done that. I would try to influence the talks that are hopefully taking place soon. Our next German government is uh, focusing more on their responsibility that a political consequence is needed because uh, we need uh, strong economic ties to China, but we also need them to Taiwan. We also need them to uh, Korea and, and, and other countries. And um, we speak with, we need to speak with a European voice on, on many different issues. And that's what didn't work uh, with within the, the European chairmanship within the council when Chancellor Merkel announced that the comprehensive agreement on investment, for example, between the EU and China could be ratified so far. And these sanctions that have been taking place back and forth forced this whole deal and the European Parliament responded well, in my opinion, forced this deal to be uh, frozen, which I think is the right thing to do at the moment. But still, we need to believe in free trade and the whole concept of a global market, but not um, by being pushed and shoved around by uh, China just because they think they can. And I think that's the problem with the German government that is currently still in office. Do, do you think the uh, comprehensive agreement on investment can be revived? It, it seems to me the only way would be uh, a, a removal of the, the sanctions that uh, China imposed on the EU. It's hard for me to imagine the EU dropping the very targeted sanctions that it imposed on a number of officials in relation to Xinjiang. Can one envision a way out of this uh, dead end on the, uh, on the investment agreement, uh, perhaps under the next government? That's an important question. I think it comes also to the next council chairmanship, and I believe that will be France and country that I don't know by heart that will be coming after France. <laughs> But um, Germany should definitely take a lead still in the whole uh, discussion and negotiation process. I think there needs to be negotiation with China on which ways to move forward. I would not advise the EU to lift the targeted sanctions because they are very justified and they're very, let's say, targeted. They are not just uh, randomly picked people from the European Parliament or think tanks in Europe. Uh, it's actual responsible people that are t uh, being being sanctioned. So um, the EU should definitely stick to that uh, plan because otherwise there is no red line that we can actually follow. So I'm hoping for the best, but I'm hoping also that the German government will leave this whole concept of change through trade because I think that didn't work for uh, with the example of China. If the FDP does become part of the next government, it will almost surely be in a coalition with the, the Greens. Uh, there are some big differences between the two parties on economic issues, government spending, tax policy. Uh, what about on, on, on China? I know you've worked closely on human rights related issues with parliamentarians from the Greens, like Margarita Bauza. 
how how closely would you expect the two parties to work together on uh, broader China issues if they do end up as coalition partners? Oh, I believe that um, within the coalition, we would be working very closely with the Greens, but also with a potential other uh, party. Um, but I think that uh, the Greens and um, and the FDP can can move forward and move the potential other partner forward on the issue on foreign policy, but especially on on the way how to deal with China in the future. I I have high expectations to this end, but I think that a potential new coalition can also meet them. Foreign policy was not a major issue in the election campaign. We have to we have to admit. Unfortunately. <laughs> I think there were a few questions in the very last debate that I watched about foreign policy, but there were several debates where there were no questions uh, about foreign policy at all. I, I mean, is is this, um, uh, you know, the, the coalition, coalition negotiations that are about to start, hard to predict what's going to come out of them. But would you think that policy towards China and foreign policy issues more generally are going to be hotly debated, the language in, the, in, in a potential coalition agreement? Or is foreign policy uh, sort of an afterthought with other issues much more like climate and, and economic policy more uh, front and center? I, I could only guess because so far I don't know the the actual negotiation partners and also um when i say partners i i mean actual people who would would we talk uh, with so i think that um that is an important question because people shape this potential new coalition but i'm very certain and also there on that point i have high expectations that foreign policy is an important issue because also the the question on how how to react to the climate uh, change um, debate is one that is a very foreign policy issue, as well as how to move forward post-COVID. So I would think that on a certain level, we have a common ground. On, on other levels, we haven't um, established it just yet. But I think what is a main challenge for not only Germany, but um, democracies in the world is that and there, China is a good example as well. The People's Republic shows or tries to show that challenges in the future cannot be met in a proper way by democracies. And I think we need to make a counter argument towards this story that China is trying to tell. And we can only try to shape this new narrative that we have a country or a power in the world that tries to redefine certain rule-based orders that we thought were uh, 100% clear. Our generation knows that freedoms and liberties and values need to be justified, but also protected every single day. So I think this will be something that the new coalition will take up on and also talk with uh, transatlantic partners, liberal democracies in the world, because this is in my opinion, one of the bigger questions that cannot be solved in four years of a legislative term in Germany, but needs to be solved within the next political generation. I think that um, sometimes is not in the very forefront of certain coalition talks, 
but still it defines the whole uh, the whole concept of such a coalition manifesto or or whatever contract and treaty we will work on. And I think that's important, but also very challenging. And um, I'm very excited to hopefully be a part with my party with this. You, you've been critical of Angela Merkel's policy towards China. What what, what do you think needs to change on, on China policy under a new government? And how much change do you think we can expect, given that the other party that you mentioned, which uh, we, we think is likely to be the Social Democrats, led by uh, Olaf Scholz, he, he's preached continuity in foreign policy during the election campaign. So what do you think needs to change? And how much scope for change do you think there really is? That's a good question. I don't know because I don't know Olaf Scholz. However, I think that if he would or his party would be preaching continuity, I think in the same way the Christian Democrats would try to do that because Amin Laschet, whenever he has been giving interviews with regard to China, for example, in the past weeks and months, it sounded like Chancellor Merkel in a way that why should we talk about human rights out on the open if that might become a problem with a very well-known economic partners such as China. I think that's not the right way to approach this problem. And I think that the smaller parties in such a coalition, namely us and the Greens, could lead the way towards a changed narrative and a changed view on how to respond. And I think we just need to not shy away from these questions or discussions and also not fear, we shouldn't fear consequences that China always tries to put in place this whole wolf warrior diplomacy is just has been invented for just that reason because we I think need to be more proud on principles and values that we share and if we aren't proud nobody will and I think that is the exact narrative that China tries to tap into I can only say let's hope and see But I think we have good arguments on our side. Let's try these arguments with our potential partners. I'm very positive that they might work. Well, we will watch closely as uh, the coalition negotiations uh, proceed over the coming weeks and months. We're going to stop there. Ms. Jensen, thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Thanks. And thanks also to everyone for listening in. Don't miss my Watching China in Europe newsletter each month and stay tuned for more discussions about the Europe-China relationship on this podcast in the months ahead. Mm -hmm.